1: The NBA season is upon us, and Underdogs NBA Best Ball Contest Double Dribble has $200,000 up for grabs. Get in before it closes tomorrow. Top 10 takeaways. What? What was that? What was that week of football? What was that Sunday? Oh, oh, oh. I actually have more than 10 takeaways, though. I mean, it's it's, it's, shockingly, we have more than 10 takeaways after what was just not what we expected. I mean, if you just took all the unders, right, all the unders on all the... All the game totals, I mean, you'd be loaded, right, and amazing, right? So to summarize the takeaways, uh, late-round quarterback is dead. It was Sunday, zombie Sunday. All kinds of dropped players were smashing. Matt Corral has to be the most miserable player in the NFL right now. Uh, the Rams' offense is still not fixed, and I know why. Uh, Devin DuVernay is a fake free-square wide receiver. Wandale Robinson is not. Travis Etienne is coming. Still, Trevor Lawrence is not. Still, fire up Jalen Waddle this week, next week, whatever week we're on. Week 7, fire up Jalen Waddle. Taysom Hill is a fullback and should not be started in fantasy football. Even though I complain, even though I try to look disheveled today, I actually don't think that the NFL is all bad, and I'll tell you why. Cliff Kingsbury is polishing his resume at this very moment. Robert Tunyon had 10 targets. I told you so. The decision point is looking great in terms of some of these teams that are winning and losing every week. Leonard Fournette had a bad game, and it didn't matter. Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game, and it mattered. Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be a million-dollar DFS winner at some point this season. Watch out for that. We finally got Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard parody, and nobody cares. And Jamar Chase, the buy window has closed, right? So buy low, maybe cracked, buy low window cracked for what? A day? <laughs> right? <laughs> Shot. Oh, he slammed it shut in, a, in a just totally epic fashion. What a beautiful man, Jamar Chase. So we start with late round quarterback is dead. Off we go. Do we have a bumper? Do we have a bumper for this? I don't know. I don't do it. Where's the bumper? Do we have the? Where's the bumper? Do we have a bumper? Off we go. Can I do that again? Do <laughs> what am I doing? I'm clearly tilting over a, a bunch of my matchups. I'm looking right now. I'm looking on sleeper right now, and uh, you know, uh, Alan Robinson on the bench. Uh, have Brandon Ayuk on the bench, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, cause I, I, I'm not myself. As you can tell, the NFL has me tilting very hard. And by the way, sleeper has these, uh, the over under values on sleeper are fascinating. So if you, you even can go to like the Monday night game. So I have Austin Eckler on a team, right? You go to the Monday night game. You can see his rushing yards over under. And uh, it is uh, 60.5 yards. And they show you that the majority of the public are taking the over. 93% of people are going the over on the Austin Eckler rushing yards number. What do you think you should do? I mean, they tell you what to do. Sleeper tells you what to do. Promo code Underworld. You get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. To play sleepers over under games, and when you're checking your lineup, you can just click the dollar sign at the top, and then you could take Austin Eckler under. If the public's going 93 percent over, what are you supposed to do, right? Oh, they weren't going over on Brandon Ayuk though, right? Oh, fool me once, fool me twice. I'm out on Brandon Ayuk. Fool me once, fool me twice on all these guys, and then you look and you see, oh, this is the this is the one guy that the public's going under on. Okay, well then that means take the over on that one. It's it. it Sleeper is so transparent with their app and their over-unders. Check it out. Promo code Underworld. You put in 100, you get 100 to play props on Sleeper while you're checking your lineups, while you're setting your lineups. They make it as easy as possible. It's, it's not any easier anywhere else, right? And if you haven't done it before, you just you hit the dollar sign, you verify your identity, you verify your location, and you're off and running for good. You're done. And it's, it's so much easier than anywhere else because you're already playing on Sleeper, like I am, the Sleeper Bowl and the Big Dog Bash and all our patron dynasty leagues, patreon.com forward slash podfather. I'll talk about one of my leagues today where I traded for Geno Smith, so look out for that. We'll talk about that today. Now, 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 off we go. Late round QB is dead. I mean, that, that's a big announcement, right? That's a bit that's a, I mean, that's... That's pretty huge. I mean, is it not? The late round quarterback is dead. I mean, very dead. I mean, I, I I can't imagine a world where I would have a late round quarterback strategy knowing how the season has played out so far. Think about it. You didn't you didn't actually want to draft a running back or receiver early, right? The Lamar Andrews stacks and the Patrick Mahomes-Travis Kelsey stacks are smashing like nothing else. Josh Allen is going for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns every single week when he's not rushing for 80 yards and a touchdown. Kyler Murray just rushed for 100 yards. When Kyler Murray rushes for 100 yards, that's the equivalent of two-and-a-half Kirk Cousins touchdowns. Do you see the problem with late-round quarterback now? And it's like, oh, well, you know, you can get a— an inexpensive Konami QB, a discount Konami, right? You can get a Daniel Jones. Yeah, too bad Daniel Jones put up 173 passing yards against the Ravens secondary. What are, we, what are you going to do with that? He was throwing to Kenny Galladay. We knew this from the beginning of the season. Daniel Jones, late round quarterback, is dead. Justin Fields, right? Trey Lance out for the season. Daniel Jones. Just doesn't have it. He's 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 actually Daniel Jones, as it turns out. Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones, but Justin Fields may actually be Justin Fields in a good way. He had 190 passing yards versus Washington. I know, I know, it wasn't yesterday. It was all the way back to Thursday. But I want to talk about this because this is interesting. He had 88 rushing yards, and uh, I saw this on Twitter. His name's Buff Llama. Buff Llama at J Dizzy D on Twitter. That's him. That's him. He had a, a great breakdown, one of the better breakdowns I've ever seen of Justin Fields. And it's great because if you if you find the the tweet on Twitter, you can see these self serious remarks. The those that did not know that he was being sarcastic. The sarcasm radar, of so many tweeters is so bad. It's so what is how? Like it's shocking. It's just shocking how many people take a video like this seriously. Let's just watch this video and just understand that you know, thousands of retweets later, there are hundreds of people replying to this tweet seriously, criticizing it. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you need to give him more time. Like giving their own analysis of Justin Fields as if like building on his analysis or criticizing him. Like <laughs> dragging him, dragging the buff llama. What are you doing? Check this out.
0: Hey, what's up? It's Llama. We're covering another Bears game here. This run here by Fields is incredible. Rolls out to the left. Jukes right around the first guy. Keeps on running. Everybody was losing their mind during this play, but I was in my living room and I was angry. I was so mad. Let me show you why I'm angry. If we stop it right here... Hold on, I'm having trouble stopping the video when I want to. All right, let's see when it, right here. So right here, he's starting to run for the pylon to get as close to the end zone as he can. That's admirable. But if we take a look here, uh, we actually enhance the image. Uh, You can see this guy down here is wide open. Wide open, actually. If you look, if I zoom in far enough, you know, right there, you can see the guy's foot up there, but right there looks, you know, there's nobody around him. You know, this could be a sick tweet. I could tweet this out, just this screenshot right here. <laughs> you might be saying, Well Lama, he's in front of him and he's already passed the uh line of scrimmage. That's true, but we saw in the uh incredible last second uh, Lama uh pitch back play that they had against the Giants, I think it was. Uh he turned around and threw that ball like it was nothing. Uh so what's to stop him from turning around here on a dime, throwing this all the way back across the field. He's wide open. Right. And uh, there's nobody there. The only thing in between him and the end zone is that bar at the bottom of the screen from my iPhone. Uh, That's it. Unless the referee is going to go rogue and stop him, I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, it's just frustrating. You want to see this growth from fields. He needs to know to spin around and throw the ball back like that. Um, That's a wide open touchdown. So.
1: It's just frustrating to see that from Field He needs to He needs to know to spin around Lateral it Twenty yards Over seven guys Behind his head He's you gotta You gotta you gotta know to do that! You gotta You gotta see that you got to make that play in the moment. You got to make that play in the moment. And it was, it, it's amazing. It's just because, I mean, because you know what I'm thinking, right? You know what I'm thinking? Like, we, we this is, we, you see all these, you see these, 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 uh, viral tweeters and TikTokers, you know, impersonating coach talk and, uh, and, and broadcasters, and now they're doing Matt Waldman impersonations. Like, oh, you're the, the running backs, you gotta see that running lane, right? In the moment, right? Bodies colliding. You know, it's inexcusable. <laughs> he doesn't, they're mocking. they're mo- This is, that was a Waldman troll. You realize that. The, the moment I saw it, I was like, oh no. Oh no. I was like, he's got the voice, he's got the cadence, he's got the soft spoken he's not no inflection in his voice just st- straightforward calm muted and then just <laughs> kills him he, i i can't believe fields missed that play it was right there you could have had a touchdown it, was, it it's it's really inexcusable that fields didn't score on that it really they should have had six i can't believe that i can't believe they didn't get benched <laughs> so good that's why, by the way, this is why film grinders and I just don't get along. Because that most of what they do is like the second guessing of really. They really should really should have seen that. I can't believe he didn't. Really? You can't believe he didn't see it? Really? Because this is, you're an expert. You, you, you run off tackle all the time. It's, you don't. Behind your computer. Come on, man. It it was funny, like you know, I was I was watching a soccer match, and they were talking about a through ball that uh, a player didn't see. It was like, oh, you know, uh, Jada was 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 down the sideline, and they they could have could have done a through ball to him, and then uh, and so the the play by play announcer asked the color guys, like, hey, so you know, why didn't he make that pass? And the color guys like. Are you, do you really need me to explain this to you? He's like, can I tell you how many players are on the pitch at any given time and how much chaos is going on and you have the ball at your feet and you have players coming at you and you have you know players crisscrossing in front of you and that guy is actually 70 yards away and he's not even in your field of vision? But yeah, sure, you should definitely see that every time. That through ball is obvious. Yeah, sure. To the Because you're sitting up, right? Remember, we're sitting up. With the all twenty-two tape, with this bird's-eye view of the field, they're at field level. So you've got just people like going like you're. This is you. Like when you're looking, this is you. If you're, you if you're playing soccer or you're playing football, this is this is what you see. And then you have the ball at your feet, and you have things, and you're trying to take a handoff, and and this is this is how it's going. And it, it, and you didn't see that. You didn't see that. Oh, that's crazy. You didn't see that running lane. That's crazy. You didn't make that play behind your head 40 yards. That's wild. I can see it from here. How did you not see it? Oh, man. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Amazing troll job. Trolled the entire Internet with that. So many people on social media got got and I got got. I got got by Sunday. Zombie Sunday. Welcome to Sunday. Zombie Sunday. I mean, week six. Right, six six six. we should have known, week six, six, 6, this is how it works. You know, through five weeks, we think, hey, we have a lot of data, we know who's getting the targets, who's going to score fantasy points, we got this, guys, right? Only to see Mike Gusecki score 25 fantasy points, Chase Claypool, 23 fantasy points, Kenyon Drake, 20 fantasy points, Paris Campbell, 19 fantasy points, great. Great to see that, even in the deepest of leagues, Paris Campbell, gone. <sighs> Allen Robinson, 17 fantasy points. I haven't dropped him anywhere, thank God. From the bench, though, right? Hunter Henry, 16 fantasy points. I actually did start Hunter Henry, but only because, only because I didn't know John who was going to play. I thought Jonu would be out, so I ended up playing him in the, the sleeper bowl, and I might win because of it. I might win because I played Hunter Henry not even knowing not even paying attention i was very busy sunday morning i i did have some olave active in some lineups like not perfect but then i was like oh hunter henry oh cool right oh brandon Ayuk, 28 fantasy points i would have benched him had i had i been more active but i'll take it right i'll take it the 28 fantasy points from brandon Ayuk, we knew was coming because this is the jimmy garoppolo offense with jimmy garoppolo lifts all the receivers because unlike Trey Lance, he doesn't pull pass attempts out of that offense, right? If we had Trey Lance, we're less excited about Brandon Ayuk because not only is this a low-volume run-first offense to begin with, if Trey Lance is under center, it's going to pull yet more pass attempts out of that offense, and then most weeks, Brandon Ayuk is going to put up a dud But with Jimmy Garoppolo, he's now a volatile receiver with real upside, 30-point upside that you can play week in, week out, and lean into that volatility. That's what you like about Jimmy Garoppolo. Look at George Kittle. George Kittle's got a game coming. You know, 8 for 60, 8 for 80, right? That's the thing about George Kittle. Like, another tight end would go 8 for 50, 8 for 60. When Kittle gets 8 targets, he goes 8 for 80, 8 for 110, 8 for 130, and those are going to keep coming. Big, hairy spike weeks coming from George Kittle. This was just a reminder. He didn't get the touchdown. He should have. He had a spike week. He was wide open for a 30-yard touchdown, and Jimmy Garoppolo just airmailed it as he does. Jimmy Garoppolo is not that accurate, probably less accurate than Trey Lance in any given throw, but because he just throws more because he does not run, that's going to lift all the boats. But it's just devastating to see Kittle had the spike weak in hand, and then Jimmy just... Jimmy just... Jimmy is not that good. Jimmy Garoppolo is in a system that minimizes his mistakes and hides his flaws the best they can, but he's terrible. He's, I mean, he got George Kittle hurt. He airmailed George Kittle last year. George Kittle went up to get it, and then he came down as someone was cutting out his knees and ankle and wasn't the same for the rest of the season but right now Kittle's healthy and he's he's getting the targets and he has the explosiveness and the after the catch ability and I like it I like it I'm going to be playing Kittle aggressively in DFS moving forward his prices he's been priced way down the problem was on the slate this week you had Andrews you had Kelsey you had some other value plays so this wasn't a great week to play Kittle but it's coming Right, he actually had ten targets, eight receptions for eighty-three yards, which is just what you want. What you want consolidated target share. Ayuk, Kittle, Debo, all with ten plus targets in a game. They only scored fourteen points. Right, if this was the game to play Ayuk, right? I mean, if if they have Jimmy Garoppolo there, and you know Ayuk is one of the three in this consolidated target share, well, you don't overthink it. You play him against Atlanta. Like, if not Atlanta, when? Right? Why even have I met it? It was one of those weeks where it's like, you might as well drop Ayuk if you're not going to play him against Atlanta. I happen to play him just because I didn't check my lineup. I played him out of apathy, but still, you should have played him anyway. And then the question is, well, when is Elijah Moore going to have one of these weeks? When is Elijah Moore going to have a zombie apocalypse week? And I don't know when that's going to happen. When you have Zach Wilson winning games... Throwing for 120 yards? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Zach Wilson can sustain three fantasy-relevant wide receivers because clearly, week in, week out, who's getting the targets, who's getting the air yards? It's actually Corey Davis. Zach Wilson's favorite receiver is not one of these young guys. You would think it is, right? Because he's a young guy. He looks like a young guy. He looks like he's 17. No, it's Corey Davis. He prefers... Actually, Joe Flacco right? The corpse of Joe Flacco, as we head toward Halloween, the corpse of Joe Flacco prefers the young receivers and Zach Wilson prefers Corey Davis. So that's another takeaway. That's a bonus takeaway. That's not even in a, we're going to have, we're going to officially give you 20 takeaways because when you had had 18 takeaways for today, there's a bonus takeaway, right? Right We're going to have another bonus takeaway at some point, I'm sure. And as I talked about Matt Corral, Has to be just beside himself, just in absolute agony and anguish to see Jacob Eason under center. This was teed up. This was this season was teed up for Matt Corral, having not been drafted in the first round. He thought he could be a first round pick, fell into day three. Was it day three or was it day, I think it was, was he on the edge of day three to day two, or was he well into day two? Or was he well into day three? <laughs> that means he was either drafted in round two through seven. Yeah, he was drafted at the end of the third round. Exactly. He was right at the border, right at the borderline, or at the cusp of day two versus day three. It was Sam Howell that fell into day three. Corral was rescued from day three. They 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 stopped the bleeding. He was falling. I think he went to the problem was Corral went to Vegas. Right, is his agent's like, yeah, go to Vegas. I remember this. He was like, you should go to Vegas. And we were like, oh, he's going to Vegas. Matt Corral's going to Vegas. That means he's definitely getting drafted in the first round. Eh, at the 30th pick in the third round. And he's uh, got some nice athleticism. Runs a 4'8", nice agility, big-time uh, college yards per attempt. Not as efficient as you'd like, threw too many interceptions, but was an SEC quarterback with some moxie. It would have been great to see him back there. This, he would have had a full-year audition. He could have been Davis Mills plus and, and he just the injury and he, he's out. It's just a Liz Frank injury, oh, the foot injury, Rashad Bateman, devastating. I mean, if you have a foot injury, you're Rashad Bateman, you're you're absolutely completely and utterly demoralized, just like Matt Corral. This was Rashad Bateman's time. He knew it. He was gonna have big hairy spike weeks himself, and then the foot injury. These foot injuries, they are just devastating. And poor Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall was was starting to come on. Terrace Marshall had uh, had had uh, some interesting uh, metrics from the last couple weeks, right? I think I tweeted about this. At fantasy underscore mansion, right? He had uh, four targets last week, 100% catch rate. Well, that's it. <laughs> no, that, that was those are the metrics. That's it. I mean. He, he went four for four, right? And he's an ultra-athlete. And I was like, listen, this. Robbie Anderson is, is getting thrown off the team soon, right? So it's like, well, who's left? LaVisca Shenault's hurt. Robbie Anderson's an asshole. It's going to be Terrace Marshall season soon. Like, DJ Moore, I'm sure, is, is agitating for a trade. Terrace Marshall. So he's going to maybe be a zombie apocalypse player. He could be the ultimate zombie wide receiver in, like, three weeks. So I'm continuing to monitor... Terrace Marshall and very deep leagues and dynasty. It's not over. It's not over. I I want I want to see a competent quarterback. Actually, you know at least Jacob Eason is going to throw and not scramble as much as uh, P.J. Walker. I missed out on so much P.J. Walker in uh, these superflex and two QB patron leagues. I bid something reasonable like 20% on P.J. Walker. I was outbid consistently. I don't know if I got any Walker. I was like, outbid, 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 outbid. I was like, really? Really? You guys that, that have plenty of quarterbacks, like I have Dak, right? I have Mac Jones. Right? I have quarterbacks that are out. I'm struggling. You know, I, have, uh, I, I thought I was going to be able to uh, make things happen with Mitchell Trubisky. Actually started Mitchell Trubisky in multiple leagues. In Superflex and two quarterback leagues, just because I had, well, in two quarterback leagues, not Superflex, but in a handful of two quarterback leagues, I started Mitchell Trubisky having no other options because I have, like, Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, and these assholes uh, you know, hogged all the quarterbacks that have become available. Andy Dalton couldn't get him, right? Cooper Rush, I thought, hey, I have Dak. you got to let me have Cooper Rush. That's some kind of reasonable bid. No, right? Just bully quarterback on the waiver wire, the bully quarterback tactic, and it was working. And then I went ahead and started. I said, Hey, I can't get PJ Walker. I'll start Mitchell Trubisky. And there's Mitchell Trubisky getting positive fantasy points for me. Fuck you. That's all I could say about Mitchell Trubisky. I saw him in there. I was like, Oh, I have him starting Mitchell Trubisky in like multiple leagues. Fuck everybody. That's really what I, that was my first thought. My first thought was, hey, look, Mitchell Trubisky, fuck everybody, because I'm much more loyal to my takes than I am my fantasy teams. And we talked about it on the Dominator show, talked about it on the Roto-Grinders show, that Kenny Pickett was a streamer du jour, that he was a guy to play in the Millie Maker, that he had ridiculous upside for the dollar in DFS, and then to see him go out, with a looked like a pretty severe concussion, was heartbreaking, and so I was like throwing my papers in the air, right? And then I was like, whoa, wait a second. I think I have some Mitchell Trubisky. This, is, this isn't all bad. It's really bad. It's not all bad. It's pretty bad. You wanted to see Trubisky out there. It would have been nice for Trubisky to get that win. That would have been huge, just for his career and his prestige. And then now it's like, oh, Trubisky gets the win. We're back to a... Quarterback controversy. Should they keep roll with Trubisky? Got them the win. They needed the win. They got the win. Trubisky, Trubisky, win, win, win. Get out of here, man. If Pickett is ready, Pickett should be playing. He's better. I mean, he's miles better. <laughs> Come on. The Rams. Okay. Rams are a problem. Okay. What do we do about the Rams? Well, I uh I have I have a tweet here that I want to pull up from one Lord Reeves had an interesting tweet this morning. And the first thing I thought of when I I, I saw it was uh, the Rams. And I think that the Rams might've been the reason why he went and did this research because during the broadcast, they talked about offensive line continuity. And we talk about offensive line all the time. He said, Hey, the Rams are going to have a degraded offensive line this year. And that did not factor in enough to our analysis before the season, and uh, so I, 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 I own that, right? I'll own that. And if you look at the percentage of plays where offensive lines have lacked continuity, you have a couple teams that are near the top of the league. So the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, and actually uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers—they've had the best offensive line continuity. They've been healthy, and then. The teams at the bottom the bottom five the commanders the rams the raiders mm, 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 mm. the lions sadly and the cardinals so those are the teams that have had the most turnover on their offensive line this year and no surprise the cardinals are struggling the rams are struggling the lions are struggling right it's just it, it, it it's absolutely no surprise if you have injuries on the offensive line offensive linemen are rare and expensive And offensive line depth is, it's right there with quarterback depth, right? If you can have, you know, the quality backup quarterbacks around the league are so rare. So you want quality quarterback play at the top as well as depth, and the same with your offensive line. You want quality players in the starting lineup, and you want great depth. It is the most important asset that you can bring to an NFL team. It's arguably more important than investing in the quarterback, I would say that, of course, more money would be spent on the offensive line because there's five guys versus one quarterback, but they should, but you got to prioritize them equally when you're building an offense from the ground up. We talk about this on the decision point show all the time. When you build an offense from the ground up, offensive line and quarterback, quarterback and offensive line should have equal priority, right? And then I remember we talked about this on the decision point show teams that had offensive line continuity. That were upgrading their offensive line that we were buying, right? The Eagles, the Vikings, right? The Lions. We thought, right? They're getting Decker back and and Sewell's going into his second year, but they've been, just have been ravaged by injuries. So we said the Eagles, the Lions, and the Vikings were the big buys, and then also that necessarily means that we're fading the Packers, we're fading the Cowboys, and we wanted to fade the Cardinals because Cliff Kingsbury is an absolute fraud, and we, you know, if those were our Top six recommendations, you know, t- looking at betting on division winners, betting on regular season total wins over unders. We were five and one. We we're five and one. And Cliff Kingsbury absolutely needs to be polishing his resume. You could see it. You could, you could just see it in his eyes. You can see it in his face. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. There's something about this team that it's, it's, it just hasn't come together the way he wants. And he's not doing anyone any favors. His his lack of creativity, the fact that that he recommended they sign James Conner for all that money when the the Dolphins were signing Edmonds for a fraction of that just didn't make any sense. He doesn't know what wins games in the NFL. He has no idea. So he is not going to be the coach of the Arizona Cardinals for very much longer. Geno Smith looked poised. Geno Smith looked good. I traded for Geno Smith in a league. So I actually, one of these leagues that I talked about, we're devastated by injuries. I think I have Dak and Russell Wilson, and otherwise, it's a phenom- I mean, it's a phenomenal team. It's a it's a team that you would uh, covet as a dynasty player, right? It's uh, in fact, we call this because I've won this league so many times. We call it the Podfather Domination League, because in the past, having Dak and Russell Wilson was an asset, <laughs> right? In the past. <laughs> So I said, listen, I, I I have Saquon, I have Ezekiel Elliott, I have uh, Alvin Kamara, I have Cooper Cup, I have Kelsey and Goddard, I need to put my chips into the middle of the table. I cannot continue to lose games because I'm starting Trubisky, right? I can't do it. And then someone sent me an offer and said, hey, what about, uh, what about uh, you know Cooper Cup or something? I was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 We're not, I'm not trading Cup for a quarterback, that's not happening. I will trade you Terry McLaurin for uh, Geno Smith Plus, like Geno Smith and, and some receiver, because we start five to six receivers, maybe the third receiver on the Buccaneers, like a Russell Gage or something. Just give me Geno Smith, because I don't think Geno Smith is going to be a starting quarterback beyond 2022, and Terry McLaurin has just been underwhelming. And you can see that the the continuity on the Washington offensive line is one of the reasons why Carson Wentz doesn't have enough time to get the ball downfield to Terry McLaurin and Dotson didn't even play last week. So I'm going to continue to roll with this team as is. I also happen to have Jamar Chase on that team. <laughs> so n- you're probably wondering how I ended up with Jamar Chase. Just uh, never mind, right? Never mind. He he fell in the draft somehow. as a two quarterback league, and he fell to me, and I traded up. Basically, he was falling in the draft, and I and I. Sent a godfather offer to trade up to get him in the rookie draft, and that worked out. So, given this roster, you have to make trades that you would otherwise never consider, right? Buying high on a player who's breaking out at age 31 is not typically something we recommend. But, in this case, I have players who are about to expire. Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, they are about to expire. Cooper Cup's Prime is now. Travis... Kelsey's prime is now. I need to win now. I need to win this fucking Dynasty League. So many people play in Dynasty and their priority is not winning. We talked about this with Alan Soslowski. It's like when you poll Dynasty Leaguers, the thing they love most about Dynasty is not the winning of Dynasty Leagues. It's the trading or it's the building process. It's the rebuilding process. It's like, no, no, no. No, no, guys, I did... did, Crazy innovation for the Father and Dynasty. Uh, try to win. How about try to win? So I was like, listen, man, if you want, if you want McLaurin, like, I'll, 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 I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll, I'll trade for Geno Smith. I got no problem doing that, man. Right, and I'll probably get pretty equivalent production out of Russell Gage, <laughs> vis-a-vis Terry McLaurin this year. So that's just again, no, when you 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 have your phone, you have the Sleeper app, you get an alert, trade comes in. Gino Smith coming your way—it's like instant reject, In, almost instant. Like, come on, man, who, who do you think I am? You think I was born yesterday? Come on. I mean, I mean, my—I would try to, you know, offload a, a sell high player to th- to this guy. I would, but <laughs> I was like, I was like reject. I was like reject. Oh. Uh, maybe I need this. I think I need this. Traded for Geno Smith, and I'm, I, I couldn't be happier. I saw him uh, just take off and run for forty yards and get out of bounds. Just I was like, well, that's what Russell Wilson used to do. And Geno Smith's throwing the ball downfield more accurately than I've seen Russell Wilson throw all year. So what am I missing? That's the reason I, I went. We talked about this on the the Dominator Show. I was like, I went out and picked up a bunch of uh, Noah Fant. I'm streaming Noah Fant because it's the best matchup. I mean the defensive points allowed to tight ends is one of the signature matchup data points and we show it on player profiler just under the main player block we show the tight end fantasy points allowed and the overall fantasy points allowed to receivers at large and specifically tight ends so we show that on the tight end pages you can get a sense. And when you see the Cardinals are like a throwback Cardinals, just like uh, the Cardinals of five years ago, you're playing Jared Cook against the Cardinals. I was like, you know, I'm going to play Noah Fant against the Cardinals because I was playing Jared Cook against the Cardinals five years ago. And it worked out. And you know what? Noah Fant actually has explosiveness. And the idea that Will Disley is the thing that's holding him back is such a joke. I'm just going to play him. Goes out, gets seven targets, puts up fantasy points. I was very happy. You're all happy with Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker was always and forever better than Rashad Penny. I mean, I can't believe I had this debate so often on various podcasts this summer, like trying to get people off Rashad Penny. I, I, just, I was like, it, it was like it was just such a Don Quixote mission, just tilting at windmills, just like, please listen to me he's not that good it was a small sample trap and they drafted Kenneth Walker for Christ's sake Kenneth Walker's a man god he's tackle breaking machine yeah he's he's looks like the next Javante Williams that's what it looks like that's Kenneth Walker and uh you know I went on uh TikTok and I said that uh, Travis Etienne's the next Brees Hall and that's certainly not true I would say Brees Hall's the next Saquon Barkley so it becomes very tough to say that, okay, so then basically by the transitive property, I'm I'm, I'm saying that Travis Etienne and Saquon Barkley, that, that doesn't ring true. I'm not sorry, though, okay? I'm not sorry. Travis Etienne is putting up twice the total yardage on the same touches as James Robinson. This can't continue any more than it could continue with Tony Pollard. We've seen with Tony Pollard this past week. That's another takeaway. Tony Pollard. 14 targets plus carries. Ezekiel Elliott, 14 targets plus carries. Mark this down. Write this down in ink. This was the day it happened. We've been predicting this for how many years? That eventually the Cowboys have to come to Jesus and go, this guy is more efficient than that guy. So if you want to win games, you play the guy that's more efficient. And the same thing is going to happen with Travis Etienne. It didn't happen this week. It'll happen next week. The touchdowns will come. The touches will come. He's really good, and he's getting better and better because he's he's developing as an NFL talent. The game is slowing down for him. It's almost like he's a rookie this year because he's never played in the NFL before. Oh, that's right. He didn't play in the NFL last year. Unfortunately, though, even on a team like the Cowboys, where there's no Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup just coming back, he's not 100%. You have all these injuries, and yet still, Tony Pollard, I look up, 35 snaps total in line as a wide receiver. That's it? Two and a half targets a game? That's it? Same thing with Aaron Jones. Like, the Packers are out here starting Romeo Dobbs, right? They're devastated by a Randall Cobb injury. And yet, Aaron Jones, less than 50 total snaps outwided in the slot. What? Right? So, anytime a fantasy analyst says, well, because Team X... Lost a bunch of key wide receivers like oh Amari Cooper and oh uh, Devontae Adams. That means they're going to have to use the the running backs more as receivers. Wrong, not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's never true. I I don't think that I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that principle has ever held true and has ever been factual. So that's just a good learning. That's a good takeaway. Right. It's a good takeaway. Another takeaway. Devin Duvernay isn't good. He's not a good NFL wide receiver and he perfectly exemplifies the free square wide receiver fallacy. There's no such thing as a free square wide receiver. And if you're playing free square wide receivers in DFS, especially if you're overweight on what you think is a free square wide receiver, I would caution you against it. You could certainly dabble, right? But know that. Free square wide receivers are, in and of themselves, typically bad, and will underperform. So you should be underweight on those. Because you you listen to these DFS shows, and they talk about these players, like a Devin Duvernay, as if they're all lock. And it's like, no, 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 no. In order to even command a target, you need to do a lot of things right as a wide receiver. And then you actually have to squeeze the football. And then you have to get some yards after the catch if you want to be productive. So there's a lot going on there. So hold on like that. It's it's certainly not something that you should be betting on. It's nice when it happens when a Darius Slayton is all they have left in New York. Some player like that. Great. Great. Cool. Cool. Fine. Right. But I would like a little more boom week evidence to suggest that I should be playing that particular player in DFS. So, for example, especially in tournaments right I, you could play these guys in cash i'm not saying you shouldn't be playing free square wide receivers in cash go ahead just know what you're doing right eyes wide open in gpp's if a player has never had a big boom week especially with air yards and receiving yards whether it be yak or whether it be you know uh, in the air yards side of the ledger if, if if a wide receiver's never had ever had a 100 yard performance but had like a 42 yards and two touchdown game. That's not the same thing, man. That doesn't mean he's good just because he happened to be targeted in the end zone a couple times. That ain't it. A guy that actually is giving you the air yards is giving you the big, hairy, hundred yard performances now. And again, very volatile, but you look up and, and wow, this guy's actually, he's, he's commanding fewer targets than the primary receiver, but he's, he's putting up more yards. This is happening more often then you might think if you go back and look at the game logs of the Browns, Donovan Peoples Jones, he's the receiving leader again this past week. Now, this is a Jacoby Brissett led offense. All I would tell you is DPJ is an interesting stash. And as soon as Deshaun Watson is active, you need to start playing DPJ, as long as his salary is in like the four thousands, playing him aggressively in tournaments in DFS. I mean, he's gonna have some Will Fuller like performances, some throwback will fuller performances. If he's doing this with Brissett, getting a a 80 plus percent snap share and route participation rate, what is he gonna do with Watson? Just file that away. This is an observation just to file away. No, he didn't get the touchdown. No, he didn't, he didn't really deliver. But you look up and it's like, oh wow, this guy's actually interesting. Because this isn't the type of player Brissett tends to target anyway. Watson's gonna be more likely to target this guy, and he's gonna be more accurate with his downfield throws, and he is making plays downfield, no matter who the quarterback is. Donovan Peoples Jones is just he's interesting and it's a player to monitor for the future and stash. Especially if you think you're a playoff team now, if you're if you're you know gonna be five and one. This would be a really cool player to put in your bench for the fantasy playoffs. And we talked about Jamar Chase, I mean the buy low window closed. Closed. I mean just slam shut. And here's the thing, right? So if we're going to talk about Devin Duvernay and how he's bad at football, we should also talk about Jamar Chase and how he's good at football. And I remember we had this I had this fake debate about should uh CeeDee Lamb overtake Jamar Chase in Dynasty? No, of course not. That's a fake debate. How do you know it's a fake debate? Because you go to the player profiler Dynasty Rankings. Most of you subscribe to our Dynasty Rankings. How could you not? Right, The Dynasty Deluxe Package has Dynasty Rankings, Rookie Rankings, a Draft Planner, Trade Finder, looking at trades in other leagues so you can get trade ideas, and Trade Analyzer to help you analyze the trades that you're getting proposed or that you're contemplating proposing. An ADP tracker, a mock draft tool. We're doing mock drafts every month to keep you up to date on what the current ADPs are, even when no drafts are actually happening in real life. Cody's mock draft index, the Dynasty Guide. This guide is available in Dynasty Deluxe, as well as our Rookie Guide. Yeah, so it's 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 one of our more resource-intensive packages that we have. If you don't have it, you're fucking up. And you look at the wide receivers, it's like, oh... Jamar Chase is uh, like 45 lifetime value points ahead of CeeDee Lamb. So what are we even talking about? And I'm like, yeah, it's not a real conversation. It's a fake debate, man. Jamar Chase is the truth. He is the truth. And the reason why Jamar Chase is the truth is because he has the thing that Justin Jefferson has, which is that he wins in all quadrants. He's super strong at the catch point. And the thing that he does that... Justin Jefferson does not do as well. Justin Jefferson is better at at uh, you know working the middle of the field. Jamar Chase is a little bit better on the perimeter and in particular what he's so good at and he he's right there like a Debo Samuel in terms of the transition from catching the ball into becoming a runner. He's so efficient at that because he starts the process of making a move on a defensive back. Before he catches the ball. So he's already putting his body in position to make a move. And you've seen him drop passes. He does drop passes. Remember when he was dropping passes in preseason last year? That's because he's practicing that thing. That thing that he does. That Jamar Chase thing. That allows him to catch the ball on the move while he's moving forward. And... The cornerback is moving at him to tackle him. The problem is he's already making a move and juking that guy out. And this guy thinks that he's about to tackle a stationary pass catcher. And Jamar Chase is like, I'm a ghost. I'm already gone, bro. That's Jamar Chase. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at this. It's fascinating to watch him with this TD catch here. You can see him get separation. And then, see, he's already making a move. He's already leaning forward, leaning into the ball. And he's already... He's he's bending his legs and he's getting into an explosive posture before the ball arrives. And so that receiver is going to have some drops. He's going to drop it because there's going to be sometimes where he just he does everything right but doesn't quite remember to catch the football. That that's going to happen. But it's fine because he's also going to do that and then score a touchdown down the sideline. So you're fine. It's a great trade-off. Like, if you have Jamar Chase, yes. If you're an NFL team, you have Jamar Chase, you're happy with that trade off. It's like the greatest trade off ever. It's like, oh my God, please trade me off. Let's trade. Yes, I love that trade. Now, a wide receiver that did this in college that I'm very excited about, and unfortunately, he scored a goddamn touchdown on less than 50 yards. You know, that's the thing. That, that is, I have a, if you want to identify a pet peeve of mine, it's, well, My biggest pet peeve is uh, uh, obsessive local media trolling the fans, like the Zappening. Like, uh, oh, Bailey Zappi builds his case to become the Patriots starter, even when Mac Jones returns? Shut up. Shut up. What? Like, and I feel bad for Patriots fans. because They're like, don't know what to think. Is this serious? It might be, what's going on? Maybe, maybe he is better than Mac Jones. Like, no people. It's, it's just people in the media that want to write something to get clicks. They've they got That's how they make their money. If you're a writer now in sports media and you don't get clicks, you're fired. So that's why. Just know that's why. Those headlines are for a reason. And that reason is not to make sports fans better informed. It's not to share relevant, accurate information. No. It's for clicks and to create confusion, and it's shameful. My other pet peeve is guy puts up 37 yards in his first game back, and I'm so excited to pick him up, and then one of those catches is a goddamn touchdown. And it's like, oh, he put up 12 fantasy points. He's now on everyone's radar. He's going to be on the waiver wire articles. Like, I'm going to lead the way. Every single fab guidance post we have on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather, I put the fab guidance in there. And who's always top of my stash list, top of the stash list, every week at wide receiver, Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson does that thing. At least he did at the college level. We'll see if it translates. But he did that thing at the college level where he's able to, He's able to move forward as he's catching the ball, and then he's already making a move, and that split second is everything. And so you're not going to hear from Richie James, Darius Slayton, or even Kadarius Toney ever again. This is the Wandale Robinson show in New York. Thankfully, he did not go completely nuclear. He had That was his first game as a professional. He's a rookie receiver, and it's on. Do the law of the conservation of targets, Due to uh, the uh, fact that he was a second-round pick who came out early and was a completely and utterly dominant college receiver with dynamism and versatility, this is the type of player we love. This is why we have the Breakout Finder. I was shocked. I was shocked at two breakout ratings on the Breakout Finder this year. Tyquan Thornton and Wandale Robinson. And Dario just shrugged his shoulders. He's like, yeah, the Breakout Finder kind of likes Tyquan Thornton and loves... Wandale Robinson, and we just have to know that when we're doing our rankings. And I'm like, okay, all right, fine, right? And, and there goes Taekwon Thornton, Taekwon Thornton, more fantasy points than Jacoby Myers. It's not going to be the last time. He could be a Donovan Peoples Jones level receiver. I'm uh, in a good way. Like that, that's, I'm excited for that. I am excited for that, but I'm more excited for Wandale Robinson. He's worth a bid, absolutely. And uh, he's actually good. See, Devin DuVernay, not good. Wandale Robinson, good. It doesn't matter as much at running back. Look at Deion Jackson. Right? I don't know how good Deion Jackson is. I wasn't willing to sit, you know, go on a podcast and say, oh, Deion Jackson is amazing. Deion Jackson is going to go 10 for 10 on his targets. He's electric. He's going to win you leagues. He's going to be the highest scoring running back in fantasy. Right, it's going to be Ramadre Stevenson, and Deion Jackson. I wasn't ready to say that, but I was ready to say that Deion Jackson's better than Philip Lindsay, for God's sake. This is why we love explosiveness. Philip Lindsay's not explosive anymore. Deion Jackson's bigger, faster, better, and he was getting the snaps running the routes when they were both on the field last Thursday night, 10 days ago. So when you hear that both Hines and Taylor are out, when Adam Schefter tweets that out, you go ahead and pick up Jackson, and you can feel free to put him in your lineup. Whether he's good or not doesn't matter. He was a great play. We talked about it on the DFS show how this was the week of the— this was free square bonanza week. None of these running backs, Darrell Henderson, Ramondre Stevenson, none of them were going to be super, super high-owned. Like, in every other week, if you had Damian Harris out, it would have been 50% playing Stevenson. But because you had, you know, Benjamin, you had all these great plays and and players like Brees Hall still under six K. It was impossible for the ownership to balloon like it would otherwise on a Ramondre Stevenson. And Deion Jackson was one of those guys, one of those last minute guys that you could shuffle into lineups. And that's the beauty of our DFS dominator. Our DFS dominator package allows you to generate 150 lineups with a click of a button and then you can set your favorites. And then what you can do is you can say, okay, I get last minute, i got to add Deion Jackson. Okay, you can go through a bunch of lineups you don't love. You can just cull your lineups. You can take out 10. And then you can pin, you pin Deion Jackson into a couple lineups with the, the, the stacks that you want, with Mahomes and with Allen and so on. And you can generate those lineups with Deion Jackson and then add 10 and remove 10 from your 150 and re-export and re-upload to a DraftKings to a FanDuel. We make it so simple, so easy. And Paris Campbell, another one of those zombie coming from the grave in week 666. I just, like, I dropped him, man. I didn't drop Allen Robinson. I dropped Campbell. I dropped Kaseki I dropped these guys, man. And 11 targets. But Matt Ryan, 58 attempts. You just can't get too excited about a particular player, especially like Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce, oh, he had the touchdown, super clutch. He had seven targets on how many attempts? 58 attempts. So Alec Pierce is a sell high because his target share was actually not impressive at all. At least Deion Jackson and Paris Campbell actually had impressive target shares. The only guy that you're really super excited about is Michael Pittman, that he went 13 for 16 for 130. 34 yards is just so fucking amazing. It's so delightful. There are some situations where, hey, a bunch of guys are are scoring fantasy points: 27 from Jackson, 18 from Campbell, and 13 from Pierce. When really, no, that's all a distraction. Just don't get distracted away from Pittman. Don't bury the lead. Pittman is God. That is that. That pit. That's the name of the show: Michael Pittman God Mode. And the beauty is. Didn't get the touchdown. Didn't get the touchdown, so his salary's not going to rise as much in DFS. You can play him more in DFS in the coming weeks. It's all good news. It's all just such, oh, God mode. What a good, yes, yes. Thank you, Michael Pittman, but Deion Jackson. So now we know, oh, wait, he's super efficient in the passing game, and he looked a part of an explosive runner, except he got hurt, right? That's also the problem is that you give a a running back that's been on the practice squad and, and hasn't had significant NFL game action, that kind of workload, you're not allowed to be surprised when he comes out with a hip injury or or he's ruled out at some point with a foot injury. Something happens. It it, it takes time to work your way into football shape where you're playing volume snaps, volume touches. And so I feel bad that that happened to him, but probability-wise, can't be surprised. Can't be surprised. So I know we talked about Travis Etienne That he is doing that exact pro he's going through that exact process of working his way into NFL shape and and getting more and more comfortable. Trevor Lawrence, though. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, 90% completion percentage, 165 yards, and they lose. See, that's the key there. See, they lose. See, they they he played it safe. He's like a tennis player who's up big in the third set and just starts drop shotting and just starts dinking it over thinking okay I got this right next thing you know looks up and it's like oh I lost right I lost 6-2 4-6 4-6 it's like how did that happen well you took your you took your foot off the gas and if you have a 90% completion percentage in 165 yards that's the definition of taking your foot off the gas pedal and it's it's embarrassing it's embarrassing and shameful and I have nothing to say except that Trevor Lawrence is just a big pussy he's just a big wimp I mean that's what he is you're talking about god mode for Michael Pittman on the one side it's Trevor Lawrence wimp mode it's fake manning it's so, I mean 90% completion percentage amazing wimp receiver that's now in a great situation with incredible weekly upside didn't score a touchdown Jalen Waddle. Plays Pittsburgh next week. Fire that man up. Make sure he's in every starting lineup. I know he will be because he did. He did get, you know, 100 plus yards. So it was a relaxed week for Jalen Waddle. So annoying that he's not on the main slate. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. We're going to play Jalen Waddle. Because we talked about playing Jalen Waddle this week. In tournaments, we, we ran the optimizer, the lineup genius on the Roto Grinder show, and, and Waddle was showing up in lineups. Because he has an incredible uh, upside rating. And we're like, oh, but the, Skylar Thompson. And like, listen, stranger things, man. Then Jalen Waddle, you know, breaking a tackle and going for an 80 yard touchdown. Stranger things. Oh, they pull Thompson and they play Bridgewater like, oh, whoa, Bridgewater wasn't ready. Uh, he wasn't ready until he was. And Teddy Bridgewater likes Jalen Waddle, So I'm fire. I'm excited about Jalen Waddle. Big spike week coming at Pittsburgh. Just not on the main slate. But for showdown oh baby and can we just stop with this Taysom hill nonsense there has to be something we can do about Taysom hill he doesn't play tight end he doesn't actually have any business being played in fantasy football he's a fullback he's a fullback so every fantasy platform should have him from now on marked as a running back like oh yeah, you could have played him as a tight end before, before the category changed, before the classification was updated. Update the classification and prevent people from playing him because they're hurting their own team. You're hurt. You're you're. If you update him and make him a running back, everyone drops him, and then they you save the fantasy gamer from themselves. So they're not playing him. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So as it turns out, I mean, I should really we should I should change my my whole aesthetic here. right? Really, I mean, it's, you know. Turns out this was a fun week. Turns out there's a lot of interesting things about this week. Turns out the NFL is doing great, and it's not bad football at all. So, uh, you know, whole new man. Whole new change. I mean, really they should make Taysom Hill an H-back and not even let anyone play him in fantasy because we don't start an H-back, so there is no H-back position, so you can't play Taysom Hill. Fuck Taysom Hill. Get him out of here. I don't want to think about him. I don't want to rank him. I don't want to have him on the site. I don't want him anywhere. I I want him out of my life. I kind of like him. (laughs) The guy puts up three touchdowns sometimes. Ah! Yes, I started him in a couple leagues. Yes, I did. Could have started Gusecki or Hunter Henry, and I didn't. So the NFL is not the bad football league. NFL is good football. But we're now in an adjustment period where there there were a number of years, four or five consecutive years, where teams were just pushing the envelope, spreading out their defense more and more and more and more and more. You know, more and more nickel, more and more dime, more and more cover three, more and more cover four. And eventually defenses, right, figure out, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play cover four a lot. You thought we were playing a lot of cover four last year. Oh, baby, you wait, right? What else can you do? If you know that's coming, right, if you know defenses will eventually adjust and you see the personnel packages, you see... The rosters. You see teams carrying fewer linebackers, and you see what J.C. Jackson's going for. Like, the Patriots saw this. They're like, we can't pay J.C. Jackson that. Are you insane? He's not that good. This arms race for defensive backs is ridiculous. The Patriots saw this firsthand with J.C. Jackson. Okay, so what do they do? Well, Bill Belichick talked about this exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's very rare that the coach who has the solution to the problem, goes on HBO and has a candid conversation with, I don't know, Nick Saban, explaining the problem, the trend, and how he's going to solve it. And no one is paying attention. No one's listening, except me. I'm like, you know what they're going to do. They're going to go heavy when everyone's going light. And when everyone's going light, they go heavy. And then when everyone's going heavy, they're going to go light again. This is how it works with the Patriots. This is what they do. It doesn't necessarily matter as much what the exact play call is. Like He's like, I can give the play calling to Patricia. If we get the personnel right, right, if we're playing Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, that's an unstoppable formation against certain defenses. Call whatever play you want. We're going to pick up five-plus yards on a play. And if we could just go heavy when everyone else is playing dime against us, then we're going to have a strategic advantage. So what Bill Belichick is great at, and he just passed George Halas, and and that's an incredible accomplishment on the, the you know NFL wins list. So bravo to Bill Belichick. Still not as good as Brady though, right? If you're if you're grading all-time NFL prestige, it's Brady Belichick below, right? Belichick needs to win a Super Bowl without Brady, and then then he can have an argument. That's really it. It's simple. So. He talks to Saban, and he tells him exactly what he's going to do. And now all of a sudden we look up, and it's like, oh, it's the Ramadre Stevenson show, and he's getting an 86% snap share because he's a 230-pound running back who can catch passes. Like, duh. If there's going to be a player, if there's going to be one running back that's going to break the trend, this 8-, 10-year trend, more than that, right? It's, it's close to a 20-year trend going back to Corey Dillon in the early 2000s, of the Patriots simply not playing their running backs, significant snap shares ever. It's a specialist backfield, always and forever for close to 20 years. You could set your watch by, oh, the Patriots will have a specialist backfield, until now, until they adjust, because they're the masters of the adjustment. Who's not a master of adjustment, I might ask you? Sean McVay. We know this because... In the Super Bowl, where McVay and Belichick squared off, Belichick changed his whole strategy to beat 11 personnel. And McVay was recorded saying in a press conference that they're not going to change anything about their approach because as long as they execute and do what they do at a high level, no one can stop them. Until they didn't score even 10 points in the Super Bowl. Until Belichick turned the spigot off of the of the points. Turned off the point spigot on the Rams by making huge sweeping adjustments and putting McVeigh on tilt the entire game. So McVeigh might think that he has like, and this is the problem when you're a coach who is too enamored by your own scheme, you think that as long as you execute that scheme at a high level, you can beat anybody. You don't need a great offensive line. You can you can lose offensive linemen, it won't matter. You can trade all your all your picks in the first, second, and third round doesn't matter scheme 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 then a funny thing happens you lose Andrew Whitworth you have a bunch of injuries you lose your continuity in the offensive line you can't block anybody and suddenly defenses are adjusting to your packages and no one's open and you're losing games and you're tilting and you're wondering why and then Belichick's over here crushing the Browns right and it's just with a Bailey zappy, and it the answer is Ramondre Stevenson, 86% snap share. That's it. That's what happened. Ramondre Stevenson, 86% snap share, a running back for the first time in close to 20 years. Because I went back and looked. I went back and looked. Deion Lewis, week 16 in 2017, had a 77% snap share. That's the highest. It's close to a 10% more than I have ever seen a running back in my time in this business get looking at snap shares back through time for the Patriots. I can go back to Blunt. In week 3, 2016, he had a 76% snap share. After that, it's Burkhead with a 67% snap share last year. And then you got to go to Damian Harris with a 65% snap share, actually in 2020. And then Sony Michelle had a 61% snap share in 2020 as well. Then you can go back to Shane Vereen and Steven Ridley and Kevin Falk and go all the way back to Corey Dillon. Stevenson beat that number by 10%. And he crushed, (laughs) he smashed, right? I mean, it's amazing when you have a running back that's big who catches passes. And then when he's back there, you don't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass. That's the beauty. I'm hoping that they break the film down in Foxborough and they realize, oh shit, right? You don't want to do what McVay does, which is uh, you put Henderson out there when you're going to throw and you put Akers out there when you're going to run. Turns out that's kind of dumb. It telegraphs to the defense what you're going to do. Why? Do, why? Oh, the other tight end I started, besides uh, Taysom Hill, streaming tight end, and all these Albert Akuik Boonham teams, uh, Robert Tunyon. And that's the other recommendation we've made on the the, the fab guidance on Patreon and on our Discord. Uh, Discord.gg forward slash player profiler. Uh, the Tunyon. The Tunyon, the, the Tunyon targets will come. Touchdowns are next. So the law of the conservation of targets says... That Robert Tunyon is going to get targets. Just like Rondale Moore is going to get targets. Rondale Moore, he's been getting targets the last couple weeks. Now, DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Marquise Brown is the established outside starter. Hopkins is going to move in and probably be the X. And then that'll move Brown to Z. And then you're going to have Rondale Moore back in a gadget. Sort of a jet sweep role. The Paris Campbell, Swiss Army wide receiver role. You kind of hate it. But it's something to file away that Rondale Moore was getting targets and was relatively efficient for a few weeks here when he was healthy and DeAndre Hopkins was out and they're going to have a coaching change. And the next coach may deploy Rondale Moore in a completely different way, similar to how from season to season in Carolina, Curtis Samuel was deployed in a polar opposite fashion. So do not give up on Rondale Moore in Dynasty another takeaway. Oh, I think we're up to 20 takeaways by far. Uh, Leonard Fournette. It turns out he's good, and I'll I'll never stop mentioning that Fournette's good because so many said he was bad. Anyway, oh, that's ancient history. Not really. Not really. Not really. Fournette had a bad game, though. This is a bad game, okay? And yet, he was a top fantasy producer because he went six for six for 38 yards and a touchdown in the passing game. There are weeks that Chubb and Fournette... and Taylor and every running back is going to get stuffed to the line of scrimmage, going to get stacked up and it's just not going to be there in the running game. So it has to be there in the passing game with Fournette. It's always there somehow, some way he's either going to give you the yards as a runner or more often as a receiver. And then sometimes he doesn't even give you the yards, but he gives you the touchdown. It's always something. He always finds some ripcord to pull to generate fantasy points. That's why we love Lenny and Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster is another player that you're very happy if you were drafting him thinking he was the next Cooper Cup because you ended up moving up to get him, drafting him in the fifth round. We had the big debate, right? We had the big debate of Juju versus Amari Cooper in the fifth round. So we said, if Bateman's gone, then it's Juju or Cooper. Cooper ended up slipping into the sixth round in a lot of drafts. Then it didn't matter. You could take Juju and Cooper. But I remember that debate. It was an interesting debate. Of Juju versus Cooper, where Juju's on the better offense, but Cooper's been a more consistent producer. But there's similar players and similar roles. And when Deshaun Watson is back, they're going to have, you know, equivalent quarterback play. It's just that the difference is that Deshaun Watson is not going to have Kelsey to throw to. That Cooper is the undisputed number one, and he has the track record. So he's more of a gritty, grimy receiver that you're just going on a history of production even though you're going to have to suffer through a bunch of Jacoby Brissett but he's going to get targets regardless because of that Tom Savage corollary and then there's Juju where the upside's a little higher but it's going to be a lot more volatility week to week and then on the DFS show we talked about leaning into the volatility I remember the skinny stack we recommended said hey listen you cannot fade this game there were people there were contrarians saying fade Bill's Chiefs and you cannot fade a game where you have two of the top five quarterbacks in the league squaring off on the main slate. Because typically that game is on Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football, and it's not on the main slate. To look up and see Bill's Chiefs on the main slate is a great gift. So you have to play players from that game. And if you don't want to play Mahomes, you don't want to play Allen, that's fine. You have to skinny stack. And there's all kinds of ways to skinny stack. You can play Juju with Singletary in the Bills defense. I think that was a great process play. Singletary didn't score, but he operated as a bell cow. He was a bell cow just like Ramondre Stevenson was a bell cow. 80-plus percent snap share. Getting all the touches. Just didn't get the touchdowns like Stevenson did. So go right back to Singletary and DFS and make sure you keep starting him in fantasy football. And the one skinny stack that I, that hit and that when it hit and I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. And I tweeted the, uh, the stack fest hosts, Dario and Justin, I said, oh, we got it. The juju Dawson Knox skinny stack actually hit. That was a beautiful thing. But I mean, digs MVS was another, I mean, it was just so interesting how, I mean, I didn't real I mean, I love talking to whether it's Justin or whether it's, Eric Byme for on this stack fest show for rotor grinders. Cause I'm not so embedded in the DFS world like they are. And so when Justin tells me something crazy, like, Oh, by the way, there's a bunch of contrarians that are saying, don't play anybody in chiefs bills. I'm like, okay, no, that's not right. Now there's an argument to not play Lamar this week because the giants are, their offense isn't good enough to make it a shootout and could drag that game into the mud because it's at New York. So that was why I said, hey, listen, I I might actually play Pickett over Lamar. We had a debate about Lamar versus Pickett. Turns out neither one of them were great tournament plays. But there are games that are scary to play, and you can absolutely pivot off them and fade them fully because you're worried that there's either a mismatch, a, a, a defense versus offense mismatch, like when the Chargers front seven, when it's healthy, faces... The Raiders' offensive line that's not going to shoot out like you want it to, or a team like the Ravens goes to New York, and you have to rely on Daniel Jones with Wandale Robinson in his first game back, helping to fuel shootout playing conditions, and that's just not going to happen. So there are certainly times when what looks to be a a, a a game to target is actually a game to fade, but it's never when it's just never when. Allen and Mahomes face off because the defenses don't matter much. Even when they do, right? It went under. It went under by a lot. And still, the top fantasy producers were, oh, uh, Josh Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, oh Juju Smith-Schuster, Dawson Knox. Even when it goes way under, it's still a hit. Not that good. It was a small sample trap, and they drafted Kenneth Walker, for Christ's sake. Devin Duvernay isn't good.
0: Yeah, it's just frustrating. You want to see this growth from Fields. He needs to know to spin around and throw the ball back like that. Um, That's a wide-open touchdown. So
1: (laughs) It's just frustrating to see that from Fields. He needs. To, he needs to know to spin around, lateral it, twenty yards, over seven guys behind his head. He's. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta know to do that. You got You gotta see that. You gotta make that play.
0: Yeah, it's just frustrating. You want to see this growth from fields. He needs to know to spin around and throw the ball back like that.